first year I ever seen you rope. It was the year that I had won uh, pretty good at the circuit finals. Mm-hmm. And so I was in the top five or top ten of the world. Mm-hmm. And so I got into San Angelo. And you had done something real similar. You, Yeah. I don't. What was it at your circuit finals? Yeah, I won good at my circuit finals and then went to San Angelo, got into San Antonio that year. I was roping with Justin Yost at San Angelo. And uh, I don't know. I can't remember who I roped with at San Antonio that year. Might have been Eric Fabian, the guy that I won all the money with at the circuit finals. Yeah, man. Uh, how, how old were you when that? Was, I mean, that's been two or three. 20, well, it's probably the winter of 2018, 2019, because I lost all my weight in 2019. 2019. Mm-hmm. I mean, dude, the first time I saw you to the, I, I don't remember really seeing you, like, I, I don't know, I, it was like a, it seemed like it was about a year, and I, know. I was like, I, I had, you know, when you like double take, I was like, right, a so. lot of people did the double take. How, how I was, I was big. I was really big for a long time. How much weight did you lose? I lost 150 pounds. 150 pounds? Mm-hmm. How good does it feel being 150 pounds lighter? Uh, like a new man, really. Half a man I was before. Man. Um, I mean, I, yeah, think about that. Like just putting an extra 100 pounds and walking around and doing mm-hmm. things. Yeah. I know. And like my horses and stuff like that. Like I didn't, didn't ever really put it into uh, perspective until like I lost the first 50 pounds. And then I was like, okay, that's a sack of feed. That, that I take off my horse's back and then I lost the other 50 and I was like oh my goodness and then and then I mean I I'm going with 150 pounds because I don't I didn't weigh myself like the day I started losing weight I'm going off the last time I went to the doctor and that was the weight that I was right it does anything like I I think I've lost 25 pounds I'll, I'll fluctuate between like 205 and 230 mm-hmm. if I like because I'm weird I, I feel like I wake up in the mornings and I'm I'm really into eating healthy mm-hmm. that's a mindset when you wake up in the morning yeah my problem is towards the evening mm-hmm. I get eaten bad it yeah, all kind of gets it's not good the evening time's the worst for me yeah. I mean I can get up and have a mindset and be good for the day and then get to the evening and it's like well it's here might as well eat it yeah yeah i'm not afraid to just put down some some calories at night <laughs> yeah most of the day i'm pretty good but at night man i i'll, I'll lose com- complete control and mm-hmm. just fall off the wagon but what did you do to, when did you decide to lose this weight and why so i've i've been big my whole life that's just i mean it's just how it was and uh but i've always roped and always had roped good and it was about two two different things is what made me change my life pretty much. I come to Texas and stayed with my cousin and Brock, and one of his friends come over that I'd never met before, but I'd heard my t- cousin talk about him. His name was John C. Bryan, and he watched me rope, and he's like, "Man, you rope really good, but could you imagine how good you roped if you lost some weight?" And I was like. You know, it kind of like hurt my feelings a little bit. I was probably 15 years old at this time. Right. So it hurt my feelings. So go on. I'm like, you know what? I'm going to show him. I just keep yeah. doing my own deal. Just keep roping. Keep right. roping. Well, then uh, I start roping with Zach Kilgison in 2019. And we go all year. And we amateur rodeo, go to the pro rodeos. Well, he gets on this diet that he tells me about. 
And he's really not that big at all. He was just trying to lose 30 pounds or something. And uh, he's like, man, you should try it. And I'm like, I don't, I don't need to go on a diet. I'm fine. Yeah. I rode fine. I do fine, whatever. Well, I guess the middle of the summer and we're rodeoing. And I missed my dally like three times. And I'm at Sykeston, Missouri. It is so hot in Sykeston, Missouri. It was one, it was two header. So we run our first one in the afternoon. It's like 105 degrees, sweating awfully. Go to the perf that night, and I swear it's just as hot as it is in the perf. I come around, miss my dally. I walked out of the arena, went to the trailer, and had kind of a breakdown. And I called my girlfriend, and I'm like, I need, I said, I'm either going to quit roping or lose weight. One of the two. So I left there, and Zach told me what he'd been doing which is 2,000 calories a day, no bread, no pasta, no sugar, no soda. So, like, cut everything out. Yeah, no sugar. Um, well, like, no sugar to the point of, like, candy. Like, I'm okay. Like I'm not going to go through the no. sugars and, like, no desserts. Food. Yeah. yeah, no desserts. No candy, no desserts, no nothing. But, like, no bread to the point of, like, I'd have tortillas and stuff like that. But no, like, actual piece of bread, no buns, anything like that. Just trying to like every time you can cut out a carb or, mm -hmm. um, but also two thousand calories a day is, it's tougher than you think. It it was the hardest thing I ever had to do in my life, and I woke up the next morning and I started doing it. <clears throat> well, the kicker was was twelve on one started a new day. So we'd go to all the amateur rodeos in like Ohio, Illinois, all up there, and the slacks would go late. So I would just I would hold out on my calories. I'd I'd leave like twelve hundred calories for dinner just so I could be like I could feel like I was full, have a good dinner, well slacks would go late. Right. And we would haul butt to the gas station trying to get somewhere just to eat. Cause me and him were doing it at the same time. Yeah. We'd haul butt to the gas station and twelve on one, if it hit twelve on one, it didn't matter. Whatever you ate at twelve on one counted for the next day too. Right. So there's a lot of days where we didn't you had like 1200 calories in a day and, yeah because yeah went, went roping oh man how hard is it going to sleep hungry though it that's the best thing is i mean you just go to sleep it's hard to do but if i would just not think about it watch your open just try to take your mind off of it all the time mm -hmm. and you were able to stay motivated just stay with it mm -hmm. the whole I lost, I mean, and the, as soon as I started doing it, it was just like my weight just flooded off of me. Yeah, I mean. I lost it all in a year. Right. Really, pretty much. That's a lot. I mean, you're almost, if you lost 150 pounds in a year, mm -hmm. I mean, that's what, a, like a 1.1, like a I know, when pound I, of. I went to, uh, I guess that was in, what, Sexton, 1st of August. Yeah, it's, um, I've been there one time. And I think they middle tenth of August right yeah. there, yeah, because uh, it's the same time as like Hermiston and mm -hmm. uh, like Logan, Utah, and a few of them that way. And so it's like, it's I've never really worked that rodeo too much because I'm I'm from back west, but yeah. it, it it was nice when I went there last year, and I could see that sucker getting yeah. really hot over there. They, and that's what I didn't ever hear about it. So I I knew it get would get warm, but I had a denim shirt on when this was all happening, like the thickest oh, yeah. Wrangler denim shirt you could have. And I was just like, I walked out of the arena, walked to the trailer and I'm like, I'm going to quit. 
one or the other. Right. And if I can't, if I can't lose the weight, then I'm going to quit roping because I'm not, I'm too dedicated of a person to just be, to just be average the rest of my life. And I want to get better at it. And that was what was holding me back. I just peaked. I was at the peak for so long that I was just tired of it. Well, too, and it's got to eat at you when you make a mistake and it's because physically it mm-hmm. costs you. Yeah. And, and that's a that's a crazy, crazy feeling. But also, man, being being that size, it's it's going to be harder to get as much done in a day. Absolutely. I mean, walking around with 150 extra pounds all day mm-hmm. doing doing your tasks and to rope and ride horses and, and do that, it's it's not an easy job. No. It's not easy on your horse, like you're saying. And to to add that in, it's it's crazy to think about. I mean, you in a year became a different person, mm-hmm. just total transformation. Yeah. When uh when did you decide you wanted to rope for a living? Mm, for a living? Or just yeah, this is what you're chasing. Uh, I mean, when I was really, I mean, when I was really young, but I started roping off a horse. Like, I I always loved to rope when I was a little kid, like always had a rope in my hand. I went to dummy ropings, did that whole deal. And, but I never really thought about roping for a living until I started roping off a horse and I started entering. Like the first time I entered, I just fell in love with team roping and rodeo. I'd always loved rodeo, but I fell in love with the fact of entering and making money and making a living at team roping the first time I entered. And I was probably eight years old right and which i wasn't even entered my parents told me i was entered found out years later that they had just given me an envelope with 20 dollars in it and told me that i won something but that was the day that i just knew that's what i want to do for the rest of my life it's funny how those like things are so clear too huh like just mm-hmm. see it like it was yesterday oh yeah uh you grew up in new york yep so i was 18 what is that like in New York, just being in the, the Western industry and, you know, the, the team ropings and stuff? What's that like? It's, I mean, I'd like to say it's different, but it's it's no different. You there, I mean, there's a group. Everybody, it's a whole big group up there. Everybody knows everybody. The same people go to the same ropings, the same rodeos, week in, week out. Goes to the same places practice in the wintertime. In the wintertime mainly because there's only so many. There's three indoors really in my part of the country and uh so it's there's groups of people there's the prca guys and then there's the guys that go mainly just to open rodeos and some of the amateurs and uh then there's the jackpot like the number nine the number nine guys they all kind of just stay and go to the to the sunday jackpots but it's uh it's great in the summer I love it up there in the summer, really. The weather's nice. Shoot, we go to five. You can go to five rodeos a week within 40 minutes of my house in the summertime. Five rodeos a week. Mm-hmm. And For is there, 10 weeks. What are the arenas like? Are they pretty, are they like, they set them up? I mean, I just haven't seen the, a lot of roping back east. Uh, there's three permanent arenas that have weekly rodeos at them in the summertime. Then one is really long and not really wide, and there's a concrete wall on the left side that the horses have to pull up, head horses have to pull up every week. And then the 
there's another one in Vermont that is big, wide open, on top of a mountain, the most beautiful arena you've ever seen, most beautiful scenery, steers, short barrier steers are good, and you can just muck it out of them every week. And uh, then there's an, there's another one they have an open rodeo at that's just kind of an average average sized arena. But kicker up there, there's fair rodeos right. on tracks, which are like dirt car dirt car tracks or stuff like that. They're not in the infield; they're on the track, and they're not very wide, <clears throat> and the ground is usually horrible. Yeah, uh, a ton of those tracks. So it makes for real like short boxes, fast mm-hmm. setups, like. Short four second runs can happen. Yeah, and, and it depends on the bear. It depends on the steers. But do they set it very the bear very long very often out there? Just mm, keep it pretty short. Not where I'm from. Yeah. When I when I amateur rodeoed in like uh, Illinois, Ohio, Indiana, all that, they had the barriers strapped out there. Steers one would run, one would walk. Like you're up same steers week in week out every rodeo. Like that's the difference than out here. Like you go to rodeo all the time and you might, you'll see different sets of steers, different places, but these steers get roped some places four nights a week. You're up the same set. It's just uh, and it's because a lot of the stock, con- there's just not as many stock contractors. No, out there's, there. it's there's just, uh, three, three stock contractors. Mm-hmm. There's probably three or three or four, four, including uh Cowtown, New Jersey. Right. Okay. So you grew up amateur rodeo on the jackpots. Mm-hmm. Do they jackpot for a lot of money out there? No. Like $30 rope ones? Yeah. A lot of, lot of 30 like the most you'll see is $50 a man. $50 a man. And not, not very many open rope There's, I mean, some 12 slides and stuff like that. But there used, there's normally like when I was growing up, there was three three really good rope a year. Like everybody went to them. You go camp out, you stay all weekend, and they'd have an open rope at it. And that's what I like dreamed about. When I was a kid, getting a rope with those open ropings just around the house. And then they all kind of piddled out when I rope. My parents would let me enter them pretty much. Right. So there's pro rodeoing. Um, there's a decent amount of pro rodeos up there. Like, mm-hmm. Is it Wood, Woodstown? Woodstown. That's oh, like Cowtown. Yeah. That's what we call it. Cowtown. Mm-hmm. And what are the pro rodeos? like? You So you were probably... 16, 17 years old, was that when you you were about an eight healer right around then, right? Uh, yeah, I was seven plus, seven, seven plus, right seven, around Seven, then. seven plus, and amateur rodeo, and it started about 16 mm-hmm. years old, and that's, so about 18, you said, is that when you moved out here? When how What year did you move out here? I, well, I went back and forth, but I think I was, I was 19, 18 or 19, and I went to Florida for the winter. And I roped with Justin Yost the whole winter and went to the circuit rodeos out there. <clears throat> and then I went home for a month. And then I went with Zach Kilgus to all the rodeos, the amateurs in Ohio and stuff. And then went back to Florida and then from Florida to Texas. Right. And then I've been here ever since. When did you decide it was time to come to Texas and... When I was winning at the Florida rodeos, right, I kind of wanted to do it, and I didn't just want to throw my throw myself to the wolves and just come out here right away because I just, which like I said, it all kind of worked out. I, you know, lost weight. I was roping good. Felt like I needed to 
change it up from New York. Thought Florida would be the good good path to go. It was a great path to go. Great rodeos. <clears throat> go there. And, you know, I lost the weight. When I lost the weight, and, you know, it was sold, sold a couple horses, got a couple horses, and I was like, I, I think it's time for me to go out there. And I'm glad I didn't go out before. Right. But I didn't come here before because I would have just. Well, and that's the hard thing about out here is there's this weird balance of competition. Like mm-hmm. the opens are so tough. And the even the 16, 17 opens out here are pretty dang tough. Mm-hmm. But like learning how to win is there's this weird. I feel like some guys have it, some guys yeah. don't. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's this, they just know how to win, and I think a lot of it is being able to to do it at they they, they learn it at like sm- on a small scale. Yeah, and then they as they progress in life, they or what they're doing, they kind of can build on to mm-hmm. it with these with these wins and. Do you feel like that was something? Because I, I mean, I remember watching you heal right off, and but I, I'm when you were a little bit bigger, mm-hmm. and you could heal fast. Yeah, and you kind of had those. You could tell like where your shot, at least rodeo, like we're yeah. at San Angelo, and it, it was real. San Angelo's really fast rodeo, mm-hmm. scores pretty short, and you knew right where yeah. to be over there. Yeah, is that something that you think happened? Like, kind of learned how to win, and then just tiered it up. Like went to yeah. Went to Florida where there's probably a little bit more competition, a little more mm-hmm. rope. You know, just, a little more open. Yeah. That's yeah. what it is. And you just kind of understood that. And then at the point where, okay, it's time to come to Texas. Yeah. And you have a, you're physically ready, but mm-hmm. you financially, you have some money put together. And yeah. so you can kind of handle the ups and downs a little bit. Is that, yeah. is that the plan? Yeah. I, I just knew, which I mean, handling the finances now, I mean, it, it's that's the hardest part of being out here to me is because you got to go you got to go to get better but it's so like i grew up no i grew up winning it's just and i'm not don't say that to be ignorant in any way i was just used to winning and i learned how to win many different ways because when i was 14 15 16 i roped with lower lower number headers I had to throw fast because I couldn't keep up, couldn't keep up with the higher number guys at home because my header caught a lot. He just wasn't as fast. So I had to learn how to throw fast. Well, then, then I turn 18 and now I can get the higher number guys up there because I can pro rodeo. They wouldn't split me in at the amateurs because they weren't going to cut one of their pro rodeo partners for me. Right. Which Fair enough. Yeah. So I turn 18, I get my PRCA card, I get one of the best headers up there, and we all split in. Well, now they're turning me steers a little bit faster, and I'm throwing fast like I normally do, and it's just not working. Because it's just the steers were not set up right in in the arena, and I was throwing at the wrong time. So then I had to go back, revamp. Now, now I'm figuring out how to catch second, third jump get that figured out and then that's when things kind of I could see the run happening better I could see the pace of the rodeo happening better I could read steers better and then I come out here and it's a total different game out here yeah it's uh so what was the biggest difference that you noticed immediately out here to to everywhere else you've been uh 
cattle, cattle number one, and the amount of people that will win every time. I mean, there's everybody out here could win at any given moment. There's a lot of guys that are pretty competitive. Mm -hmm. um, and when I say pretty competitive, I mean like they're. It, it's really odd when you look at the guys that make the NFR. There's not a lot of teams outside of this area that that make it, mm -hmm. and. I don't know what it is. Um, there's some guys, like, I think Eric Rogers does a great job, you mm -hmm. know, going to Arizona, the Miners, obviously. And there's, and there's other teams that do it. But it's just a huge percentage of guys right here in this area. And, and I think a lot of it's, I mean, it's kind of like you, you come out here because this is where the most money can be made. Yep. It's where the most competition is. And mm -hmm. you, like, you can push yourself to get to that yeah that. if I wanted to get what my end goal is I had to be I have to be here no matter what so what do you see in like some of the great healers or and just the open ropings coming around here like what are the healers doing different uh, number one is horsepower it's amazing uh, I mean that kind of sets sets some of the guys apart is their horses Horses help them so much and catch every time. Like, like Travis Graves, Jade. I mean, I mean, I can go on and on, but like, you, know, you watch those guys; they catch every time, no matter what. Yeah. And that's what separates. That's what separates the great from the good, I think. Yeah, like a lot of those guys will. They just know. I, I feel like they never panic. Mm. -mm. Uh, I mean, they could go first hop or fourth hop and never look like they got out of their living room chair. They just stay like everything's so perfect, and they they decide when they throw. They don't. There's no other factor of when they let go of the rope. That's when they want to throw. Right. So getting out of here with that, what? How do you try to manage that balance? Because there's you got to compete with these guys. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's it's a tall task, and you know you're wanting to climb the ladder and work mm -hmm. on your roping. So how do you approach that? Well, I use my, I, I don't know. I, I try to stay, I try not to go out of my comfort zone. My comfort zone is I throw fast quite a bit and I'm trying to get away from that as much as possible. But to keep up, I feel like right now I need, I, th I throw fast in the practice pen, I throw fast at the jackpots, I throw fast at the rodeos, because that's just my style, that's what I feel comfortable. And the more I can catch throwing fast, the better, the more I'm gonna be able to keep up and be able to hang with the guys out here. Right. Well, and, and two, it's, it seems to me like the guys, they can throw fast, mm -hmm. and but they do it, like you said, they have control as well. But as yeah. when they throw fast, it's like, they don't try for a hop. No. They're just healing when the steer takes that first good yeah, jump. I try. And there are some guys like, I think Hunter Cook does it really good. And mm -hmm. They're just healing up. They just put the bot when they put the bottom strand on the ground, it's, yeah. they, they got them captured. It doesn't matter where they are. So managing money. Mm -hmm. What's been the biggest thing you've learned or one piece of advice that you would give on managing your money? when you come out here? Um, you, 
I've had to go back to, I don't know, I want to rope in the opens. I want to enter every open roping because I want to be around them guys. I want to get, I want to get better. I want to see it. I want to expose myself. But I got for a while, I was, I didn't want to enter the 14s and the 15s because I was, I was halfway struggling in those ropings too because, you know, the handles weren't the same, the cattle weren't the same, and I was trying to throw fast like I do in everything else, and it just wasn't working. And then I kind of regrouped, and I went to entering them more, and I kind of learned learned how to win again, felt the winning deal, and then it kind of carried over to the opens. So I felt like you can't be afraid to back off sometimes. You can go and go and go and go and just run yourself into a hole that you can never, that you can't get, that practicing won't get you out of. Right. So I think it is okay sometimes to back down. Normally the 14s and the 15s, 16s, whatever, they're not 500 man like the op- the best opens are. You can put up 100, 150 and just go a couple times and figure out how to win again and ease yourself back into it and not just keep pounding yourself down and bringing your confidence down too low to where you're never going to get back out of it. Yeah. Try to almost utilize your number mm-hmm. you know, Absolutely. And, and figure out, because I think there are things to be learned from lower number ropings mm-hmm. to going into an open. Like, I, I mean, for example, for me, one, I had this flax main horse probably about six years ago yeah that i rode a lot and i was entering a lot of 15s like especially when we went out to vegas Mm -hmm. and i was entering a lot of 15s and he had this great like he'd turn his head a little bit to the inside and you could almost just go with as soon as the gates moved on that world series start or he would score if they had a barrier it didn't really matter he was scoring flat and leave easy but he he showed me this run where i could like kind of one coil on the way in I turned a lot of steers, but what it helped me do was I kind of built some feel for getting ahead of the ropings. Mm-hmm. So if I had I had runs where I'm like, oh man, we're we're good on two, like we just need to catch these next two steers, or you have those ones where it's like I'm behind in the roping, we need to go be fast. Yeah, and he would let me do either or, like, and do it for pretty big money. Like one time at the World Series finale, I was 15 on two, and I thought I needed to be fast to get in those top 10 calls and mm-hmm. I was six short six on the third one and short six in the short round and, and he let me win good mm-hmm. but what what I realized was that same feel it's it's the same in the open mm-hmm. except for the times are faster and Absolutely. they catch more and there's just less room for air but it, it gives you opportunity right to like yes. hey that's what I learned in like the 14s and the 15s like I had to, I, one time I felt like I was doing too much, like just trying to, trying to be high call every time. Like I wanted, I want to know when I backed in the box in the short round and the 14 point that all I had to do is just catch and I'm going to win. Yeah. Well, that doesn't work. You right. can't, you can't go at it like that. And I, you started to figure out the pace of the, I started listening, paying attention, watching to the pace of the opens to where. I could go off on the third one or the second one or, you know, see how the first one went, knock the first one down. And if he was a good steer, try to go six, long six on him or seven on him in the first round and then set the rope up. Well, if he drew one that wasn't that good, you just go knock him down and then 
go through their opens instead of just trying to muck it out of everyone in the 14 point and then you get to the third one and you just throw it three foot to the right on because the steer wasn't ready to be healed yet right. and that happened to me multiple times and i just felt like i would leave there and i'm like what am i doing <laughs> like all i had to do is and then i i sit there every time i don't make a short round i sit there and i watch the short round no matter what yeah. because I, then I could sit there and be like, well, all I had to do, if I could just catch that steer, I'm sixth high callback. Well, then second, third, and fourth high callback miss. All I had to do was catch in the short round. I win second or third. I make money for the day. And I sit there. I make myself sit there and pay attention to the short round to then when I go back to the next one, I'll have a better understanding of how ropings can fall apart. They can get tough. But what I've learned is if you do not catch – you will not win. Right. Well, and two, I, I love that because there's there's a lot of ways to make up time in the roping. Mm -hmm. if, I mean, if you're long on two, meaning still kind of good, but you feel like you're about 10th or 15th mm -hmm. in the average after after two, being five is can make up a lot of ground and, mm -hmm. and kind of two fast runs. But the one that hurts the most is when there's – the roping is falling apart in the third and fourth rounds. Yeah. And you don't know it because usually those ropings to me are like one or two guys draw lopers the whole way through and there might be six on every steer and first call and second call are really fast. Mm -hmm. Well, everyone else sees that and they start taking risks and they miss. Mm. And then all of a sudden third and fourth are wide open in a roping where two catches win third or fourth and these guys have already drawn lopers so yeah. it's like you can't even hardly beat them unless they just got to beat themselves at that point absolutely you know they, you, they've got to either catch or miss but it's on them and, and i i those are the ropings that make me sick when i go out there when i know i just have to catch to win mm -hmm. because you 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 can live with going fast right yeah. and, and trying to it, win yeah you're trying to win i think so that that's been pretty good to for you to hold money together right mm -hmm. when like go to the opens because the the hard part about open potting around here is you're not gonna win every time and you're not gonna win you're gonna win few and far between and just hope hope it's at a good one really i mean you're gonna go on streaks or whatever i mean i can count on one hand of the open ropes that i've placed at just placed at since i've been out here yeah it's and what's odd about the open roping is how many guys keep grinding on it mm -hmm. and, and they've kind of got to they've got to figure it out like how to how to make money open roping right because if you're gonna make money as a professional team roper mm -hmm. making money rodeoing seems to be it's probably a harder way to make a lot of money but it's an easier way to hold it together because yes. you've got added money at the rodeos you can kind of pick your spots if you don't want to and it's enter once yeah enter once that's a big help when, <laughs> yeah. when clay smith isn't going a few yeah, times exactly. that makes it nice uh you know there, there's a, a lot of ways like that 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 really help to hold money together yeah but open jackpotting it's uh it's crazy from that standpoint is it's really competitive but then also the fees get they're high yeah they, i mean like when i try to like if i'm starting to get to a point where i'm not comfortable <clears throat> i'll you know bring myself back down to reality but i make sure that i have all my ducks in a row for like the open showdown this week let's pick one draw one yep those pick one draw ones i will 
I want to be entered as many times as I can. Any any amount of chances to draw Clay Smith, Cody Snow, the Driggers, the Clay Trine, I want a chance at that because yeah. I want to. That's my chance at getting ahead, number one, and and getting one of those guys one day. Well, and I, I totally agree. On top of it, the the open shot and the pick and draws are. Mm-hmm. I love those opens because instead of go three times straight pick, yes. Uh, those top tier guys have to split up. They get to go one time and then draw a partner. Mm-hmm. And and when you get it, when you get those draws in there, you get the chances. But it also means their second and third partner sometimes aren't. They're not roping with them. Mm-hmm. So the ropens, they have the same amount of teams or more sometimes. Like the open showdown is going to have quite a few. Yeah. And uh, so you get a big chance at money, and you get a chance to to draw those you know those top tier guys. And like you said do a good job for him, mm-hmm. get him again. That's that. right. So last year you won Fort Worth, right? Yep. How much did it pay to win Fort Worth? Twenty I won twenty three thousand. Twenty three thousand. Were you high teamer at Fort Worth? No, I was last high team. You're twelfth. Yeah. I, I didn't even watch Fort Worth. So you gotta take me through this. Alright, so you guys were good on two at Fort Worth, like had gotten both caught or were you long no, on one? That it was the tournament. It was oh, tournament yeah, style yeah. that year. Sorry, I forgot how Fort Worth worked last yeah. yeah. Okay. So you had went in tournament style, basically, it's a one header it's, each time. Right? Yeah, it's well, it's you guaranteed two head, and then the top money, top two money winners out of each bracket, then come back to the semifinals, and then the top, and then they had two semifinals, and then the top six out of each semifinal come back to the, to the finals. I think, and then maybe a wild card in there or something, and. Uh, I didn't have a partner for it. I was top 43 from the year before, so I was last guy to get in for the world standings. Right. And uh, I just called Procom and put my name down, and I got Clay Eulery. And the only time I talked to him was on the phone. Never seen him. Never roped with him. Never nothing. Just called him. He asked me when I could go. I told him when I'd like to go and whatever. We got in a bracket. And I got a leg on the first one. And we won the next night. We won the second round of the right. the first the first whole deal, and then we come back to the semifinals, and we were first team. I feel like we were first team. We were last team the first night, and I roped a leg one fourth. Come back first team the next night, win the round. First team in the semifinals, just go catch, and got back to the finals. And then we were first team. In the finals you know that's what's odd about those like sudden death deals is when it's go twice and they take the the top money guys mm-hmm. they kind of make sense like san Antonio, how it does it it's it's like okay i i got it you know you you make a couple good runs you're for sure coming back but when it gets down to a one header it's really odd because going at the beginning of the the deal there's just like that you go catch yeah you, you've got to sweat out teams and you really don't know like Will it make it back? Will it not? Yeah. And so it's kind of hard to to know like how aggressive to be, how conservative to be. I, Absolutely. So Fort Worth, you first to go, yeah, we're lowest f- money, and then you guys make a what kind of run in that? I think we went six three in the like, finals. No, in the in the semifinals. In the semifinals, six we, three, but that's pretty good run. Yeah, over there, Steer, Fort Worth. Yeah, he went off to the right, just went and caught. Yeah, and we were last 
obviously last to get in out of our set. We were last to get in out of our set in the semifinals, and then we we're the lowest money winners throughout the whole deal because we didn't place in the semifinals. Right. So I think at that point we'd had 3,001, something like that. Okay. And, and so that's where the 3,000, 23,000 come from was the, yeah, the yeah. first two nights. Okay. So you're first to go in the finals. Mm-hmm. And how fast were you guys in the finals? I think 4-9. 4-9. Yeah. So you're sweating out those teams. Yeah. We were first team, and I mean, I didn't have any game plan at all. I was just like, well, I'm going to heal the steer and see where it ends up. Yeah. And I, I was just thinking, you know, if you go clean, you're probably going to win something, and shoot, 5,000 would be great. Yeah. You know, just, just placing. They paid a lot of holes. I'm like, that would that'd be awesome. And uh, we just, he comes across and he hooks deep neck. I ride around the end of it and throw pretty fast. Just didn't get a great finish at all either. Like when I healed the steer, I felt like we were four flat. Right. And we were four nine. And I was like, oh, I'd seen faster runs all week there. I'm like, well, we probably got a chance on placing decent now yeah. like instead of sixth or seventh we might win fourth or fifth and i had to push steer or i had to push a steer or something so i had to like i'd lope my horse all the way back around because i didn't want to let them guys down like I, my heroes are asking me to push steers and i'm yeah. like i want to get back there i want to help whatever so i lope my horse all the way back around and uh get in there and i push some get some steers heads and i'm just watching as it's going down i'm like Wow, I can't remember the numbers, but I was like, "Wow, eight five thousand. That's awesome." Wow, and I kept seeing my name like stay in that one spot. I'm like, "Wow, eight thousand. That's awesome. Eleven thousand. That's that's crazy. Fifteen thousand, and then playing Jade last team, and I'm like, "Hey, what I'm winning right now, this is unbelievable. I just yeah. won second at the biggest rodeo in the world. Yeah, because I knew Clay and Jade had to go. Like, they're not. They're gonna." do their deal like they do every time and i get the steer's head and i hide from the neck rope and i come back down about that time jade takes one more swing and i'm like well that's funny and he heals them and the clock just keeps ticking it's like four eight four nine and then they end up going like five one or something right and i'm standing there i'm at the rope and shoot now i'm like what looking up looking around like looking at the big screen cannot believe that i just won this rodeo yeah it's funny how it doesn't feel like you. the expectations are high mm-hmm. going into one. You're like, well, I'm just kind of almost like, yeah. It, does it to me, I was looking at those days. Does it feel like kind of like a, like you're in like a flow state? Like when you, oh, look, yeah. at, you look back at the heel shot, were you nervous going into it or no? And you're just kind of like a normal rodeo, right? Yeah. I, I mean, I was just happy that i was able to be in the situation i mean it's one of the coolest one of the best rodeos of the year and you know it's got so much history behind it and i'm in the short round yeah like that's kind of what i was going into it i I have nothing to lose at that time i'm i'm planning on going home for the summer i have no intentions of rodeoing no intentions of I mean, I was going to stay in Texas or Florida. I think I was going back to Florida for a few months, and then I was going home. Right. I had zero intentions of doing doing anything. And so just not a care in the world. And then I healed the steer, and then they're like, 
They're like, oh, are you you going rodeoing? I'm like, I don't, I, I guess now well, I have to. Well, now, yeah. yeah. Had you um, have you rodeoed before that point? Mm-mm. It hadn't been out west. No, I'd been to uh, like Spooner. I went to like Spooner and met Clear Lake, South Dakota, and right. just some like some of the duck offs. But I had never been like day in day out, stay out there for a month at a time. Well, it couldn't have happened at a wilder time for you to sign oh, to rodeo because uh, I mean how I mean how big of a ups and downs are this like I mean Fort Worth happens. Mm-hmm. What is it within the next thirty days? COVID hits. Yeah, I went. Uh, so I was in Texas. I stayed. Was staying at my cousin's house. Yeah. Went to Fort Worth. Went to Fort Worth. I fly back to Florida to go to Brighton. Rope there. Turn around. Fly back to go to San Antonio. I roped with Corey Kidd there. Roped at San Antonio. Didn't do no good. Loaded up. Back to Florida. Get to Florida, and I was planning on roping with <clears throat> Zach Kilgus at Austin, and I was just—he was gonna go until I could find someone to go out west with. So I had him at Austin or whatever was left. We we're gonna go to some, and then this whole deal happens, and now I'm stuck in Florida. There, they, could, there could be worse places. Oh, I, yeah, I know, <laughs> I know. But I—I I say stuck in Florida, like. They were, ha- I kept seeing they were having some little jackpots and stuff out here and they were, yeah. we just practiced like that was our, that's what we look forward to every day when we were in Florida. We just, we'd go run 10 or 12 steers in the evening and that's what we did for 30 days every day. It didn't matter, but we just felt like we were in a movie, like we were doing the same thing every day. Well, too, and what are you thinking as they're like canceling rodeos? Cause you, you mean, you've obviously got. 20, 23 to 30,000 at had, this point. I had 30,000. 30,000. 30, now they're canceling. Mm-hmm. They cancel Houston. They cancel Austin. Mm-hmm. All right. Whoa. What, what are you thinking at this point? Well, I have two I have two different mindsets at this point. Because right. everybody I talked to, they're like, you got the finals made. You're, yeah. going, you're going to the NFR. They might cancel all the rodeos. He's and, like, yeah. what, they're going to have the, people are like, they're going to have the NFR and they're not going to have rodeos. Like, you're in. Yeah. And I'm like, man, that, that sucks. Like, I want to go. But then I'm like, I keep telling, I keep thinking, I'm like, they're, they're going to get something figured out. Right. At some point. And then they do. And I, and I go and I have literally at one point, I'm set up as good as someone could be set up. Yeah. I mean, you've had the best winner. Mm-hmm. It, that's, I mean, it's basically. Yeah. Well, they canceled Houston and they had San Antonio. I mean, you won as much as you a guy could really win in the winter, and then you go all summer long and don't get it done. Well, that's what's so interesting about rodeo in general. Mm-hmm. Right? Oh, There's yeah. the highest of the highs. You go from the top few in the world all winter and spring mm-hmm. and, and summer, and then rodeoing, it can just not work, right? Or whatever it may be but you don't win no. and, and it happens to a lot of guys and what i find like the the special part about that is you get to learn a lot about yourself mm, absolutely what's the lowest point of the summer last year um uh the tour finale tour finale yeah 
I I I'd had high hope. I never never was like, man, I'm running out of time. I never felt that right. the whole time. Up until I run my last year, I thought I had a chance, which I, in some sort of way, really did. I did have a chance until I run the last year. I missed my dally at the first one at Tour Finale. And that was the lowest point. Right. I, of a lot of my life. Yeah, I mean, it's, well, if going into that year, they say, hey, the last steer you run, mm-hmm. you've got a chance to make the NFR. It's an outside chance. Mm-hmm. Do you want to take that or do you want to see how the year plays out? Yeah. Probably going to take it, ain't you? Yeah. I was, it was a lot of emotions going into last year because I knew we had to do good. And my horse was sore. My horse, I have had two horses out there, but my good, my yellow was sore, like kind of three-legged. I kind of tried to help him out. I give him some butte and all that stuff. And I like lope him around like they're about to run the first team and I lope him around. He's he's off. He's yeah. off. And I'm like, I'm like, you know what? I'm I'm staying on him. Right. Like, we've been through all this, I'm staying on him. And I ride in the box and he he felt the best he'd ever like everything clicked. Steer run, header hooked, I'm right all the way to the end of it, throw fast, everything comes together. And I cheat it. I go like halfway around the horn and I go to pull back thinking it's over. I don't get all the way around the horn. Pops off, breaks my fingers, cuts my fingers all up. And I was just like, just so disappointed. It was over. At that point, it was, okay, it's over. You're done. Yeah. Turn. We turned out of Stephenville. I don't even want to run the second steer. I just want to be done. And then I was like, you know, it's, everything's going to be okay. Just try to get some money. Try to get the money in the second round. Didn't do no good. Well, then I stayed out there, and I went to the Wrangler Finals, and I ended up winning 14000 at the Wrangler Finals. And that's when I was like, it's over. It's, everything's going to be okay. Forget about it. It's just is what it is. Can't take anything back. It was there, tried, entered everything, went everywhere I could. Tried as hard as I could at every one of them, and it didn't work. I mean, there's nothing else you can do about it. You broke your fingers. Your middle finger? Is that mm-hmm. the one you broke? Yeah. And burned them up pretty good. And then what did you do after you broke your finger to, to run that next steer? Oh, I just taped them up. Just, do you ever get x-rays on it? I mean, I can see it. It's Yeah, it's pretty... bad. I, it's been broke quite a few times, so I, I knew. It was, it was crooked before, and then when I – I just know when it's broke now. Yeah. Uh at least you, I think that it's funny to to look back on those times when it's like, man, how like everything's on the line. It's not funny. That's a, that's a really bad way to phrase it. But it's like, it's this weird, unique moment mm-hmm. where there's these all these things that go into it. Your horse, sore, yeah. is, he's giving you everything you got. I mean, you're obviously yeah. very close. Yeah. You're willing to sacrifice. You know, you're, you're trying... To hold on to it and shut yeah. it, shut her down. But that's that's got to be the hardest thing for, I mean, any young roper to go through, to not make the finals, yeah, and have a chance, and be be close and it kind of be on you. That's got to be yeah. that's got to be one of the hardest. The ball was in my court. Yeah, it yeah. was there. I I did everything everything right. 
and my biggest pet peeve of my entire life came back and it bit me again. Well, I mean, you lost 150 pounds. Anyway, I know. So. That's a, that's what I tell everybody. I was like, well, maybe it wasn't because I was big and just terrible at dallying. Yeah, I don't, I don't know about that, but uh, going to the Wrangler finals in mm-hmm. 14,000, it's a few days apart, right? It's yeah. like within two or three. Mm-hmm. It's a really hard one to shake because it's like, I mean, that, it was I'm hard sure. to shake because I stayed at the tour finale. You you watched the rest I watched of it. The, I watched every part. What are you thinking? Like, does it motivate you? Oh, yeah. I wanted to run. I, I got in the heel box every night. You did? Yeah. I watched every steer go, push steers, whatever. And I just, just all I want to do is run, run another one. I wanted to run that one again. You just want another chance, yeah. right? So you, I mean, that's pretty, pretty impressive to go right into competition with something like that. Because it's pretty easy to say, hey, I want to go home. Because mm-hmm. it's just a Wrangler. I mean, it's yeah. not just Wrangler Finals. It's, it's the best, one of the best ropes out there. Yeah. But it's pretty easy to want to break. Yeah. Like, just say, hey, I'm going to go home for a while and reevaluate. Yeah. And I had, <clears throat> I, I didn't know. I stayed at the tour finale, went to the Wrangler Finals, and I... Uh, I called my mom. She's like my accountant. She handles all that stuff. Yeah. I called her and I'm like, I just enter. And I give him my card. I double down in everything. And my mom, I call my mom like, hey, how much is on my, in my account? She's like, uh, I think like 4600 And uh, I go to pay my tab and my card declines. And I'm like, oh boy. Yeah. But I was like, I and I had won something. I'd won six thousand the first day, and I was just gonna pay, pay it with my card. I didn't think it was that much, and the lady and I, she's like, it declined. And I was like, will you hold that check while I enter for the rest of the week on my fees? She's like, yep, no problem. So I just just kept rolling. Just kept rolling. Mentally, are you good? Like, would you go to the? Did you feel like you were nervous at that one at the tour finale? Do you you think it was a mental lapse or do you think it was just like a physical just made a mistake? Uh, I think I think it's excitement more than anything. Right. I mean, I get excited. I like to lean on it when I catch two feet. Like I I like that's just more of a everything happened too fast. Like everything was everything happened. Head rope on around him. Heel to steer. I knew I healed. I mean, it was just. It was all perfect. Everything came together, and I just leaned back before I get it all the way around the horn. Right. So you feel good mentally, right? Mm-hmm. That's like, hey, handled it well. Yeah. So I, I think that's, is that something you try to build on is knowing, like, hey, I can run mm-hmm. this high pressure steer. Yeah. And I know I'm capable of, of doing it. Yeah, yeah, of executing. Mm-hmm. Like, do you look at that run like that? Like, hey, do you try to pick out the good things or do you. I mean, how do you try to handle yourself to 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 get better, but not break yourself down? Well, I I was really I was disappointed because of the way it happened. Like I'd rather I don't know, missing my dally in that situation was the most heart killer of anything. Yeah, always struggled with that. I've lost more money missing my dally than anything, and that is what kept me from 
not that is not what kept me, but that killed my last chance of making my biggest dream of my whole life. Right. Was making the finals. And that is what killed my last chance. And that hurt me, but I always I learned from it. I've learned from it since. Well, I've worked on my dallying since then. But I've took it as when I back in there, anywhere I go, I know I'm I tell myself I'm supposed to be here. I'm supposed to be in this spot. I'm good enough to be here. But as soon as I leave the roping, you have I have to have a mindset of I'm not good enough. Right. To work at it to where it got you gotta work at it every day. You gotta work on something every day. You gotta rope. You gotta feel like you're not good enough. But when you get there, you gotta have the confidence. Cause I know now I've been in the situations. Not as much as I'd not as a whole bunch, but I've been in some situations against those guys and been on the top and been on the bottom. So have to be confident when you get there, when you leave, right back to your itty bitty now. You're like two different people. When you're there, mm-hmm. you're the best in the world, right? Yep. I mean, that's what I feel like. No one no one heads better than me. No. Nope. And I, I I try not to act like that, but I try to believe that oh, I'm yeah. the best header there. Yeah. Even healer sometimes for me. And that is definitely not true. <laughs> but when I'm in competition, like I feel like I'm gonna get them. Yeah. Like I listened to, and the like you said, you know, you got to tell yourself you're the best there. You're not gonna act like it. But like I listened to Clay Tryon's podcast the other day on here, right? And those guys talk different. Like they, they when you when they're at the open, they talk different, they walk different, they act different, and there's something to be said for that. I think. I, I totally agree. I mean, I think Clay's a great example. I, I like to, to tease and make fun of Clay a lot and I but I actually look up to him probably oh, more yeah. than more than most headers because well, I mean, I, I think I said it just the other day. I was like, man, he he should be getting old. Like a lot of guys mm-hmm. shouldn't physically be able to pass him up, but they, they can't. And they're it's basically up to him how much he wins still. Yeah. And when you talk to him I feel like he's got this deal where he can see it as it is. Mm-hmm. and But he also has worked to the point where he now has he, he has the physical skill. Yeah. And he's competed enough to know what it takes to win in these ropings and at these rodeos. And th- that's going back to it. You When you practice, there's this weird uh, balance between breaking yourself down too much yeah. and and building yourself up, like working on the right things, like yeah. working on your dally, right? Mm-hmm. Well, it's easy to take that last steer, last mistake we've made into the practice pin and then just beat our head yeah. against a rock. And and I think that's where I struggle the most or I, I, I try not to yeah. let that happen anymore. But for you, when you say you want to go practice and work on it, like mm-hmm. like you don't, like you've got, how do you, how do you say that again? Like, I don't, I'm not the best guy there. You know, you, you've got mm-hmm. a lot of things to improve on that, yeah. that mentality. What does your practice look like now? How do you try to structure that? Um, I've, I mean, there's a few things I dally on every steer, right? No matter what now. I mean, what, I mean, I'm don't just you hold put it, it. Put I it put it on the horn every time. Yeah. Make no sure you get what. that feel of getting it around the horn, even if you pop it off like yep. before they get the, that jerk. And that is, uh, 
I, I forget who explained it to me. It, it might have been <clears throat> might have been Eulery. We we were just talking about it one day, and I was just like, I you know I struggle with it. Well, I started dallying every time, and the way he explained it was, you need to dally every time in the practice pen because the most weird things are gonna happen in the practice pen. Get one up around the gut, steer fall down. You know, steers running, steer runs the rope, follows, checks off. They're practice steers, right? So if you can dally on them, well, you never know what you're going to rope at the roping. So if you've done it before in the practice pen, or if you just hold it up, don't dally in the practice pen, well, get one up around the gut in the practice pen, you don't dally, you get to the jackpot, get one up around the gut. Well, haven't done that. Haven't done that in this long. You're not sharp. You're not prepared for it. Right. You know the feel. If you do it now, well, now you know the feeling of when it happens in the jackpot. Right. So, do you try to put? I mean, how many horses do you have to get like a string of horses? So your practice sessions. I know this is what's so fascinating to me about you know your spot is you're mm -hmm. just getting rolling. Like yeah. You're you're young. Yeah. And you're just getting into it. So you're at all the stages where it's it's kind of like this beautiful balance of man i've been close mm -hmm. do i got what it takes yeah. you want to do it bad and so now you're putting all this together yeah what does your practice string of horses look like right now that's uh, not very good right <laughs> i have two horses two horses total yeah that get it nine times both of them get it every day two practice horses is what no two good horses i have right. my and yellow and i have a black horse right and so that's what you work on work on with your horses and mm -hmm. when you're practicing it's got to feel you just try to make sure hey if my horse needs something yeah i can work on them but you get a lot of it for yourself as yeah. well and i've and that's probably not i don't know if that's good or bad but like i have two horses and i always try to ride my yellow last <clears throat> because that way i'm always riding him at the jackpots most jackpots all open ropings most jackpots i ride my yellow Right. So I try to ride him last. So that way, I know that horse inside and out. I know every move he's going to make. Yeah. And, which, it's hard. It's hard because I only have two horses. But also, in a way, it doesn't hurt because I know both those horses. I know everything about them. I rope on them every day. And I don't, I only run, some days I only run two or three on my yellow. Some days I'll run 15. If I need if I need to rope, they're getting it. Right. And that sucks to say, but that's the only tools I have, and that's the tools that's going to get me where do I want to be, and they just they're going to have to deal with it. <laughs> well, I mean, it, it can be looked at however you want to see it, but that's up to you, yeah. right? Because yeah. it's like just like you say, well, I'm practicing on the ones you're competing on, mm -hmm. so you know exactly what it's going to feel like mm -hmm. when you run a steer. You know exactly what you got, and and that even puts you more in that situation. Like, I mean, what was it the other day? It's well, it's been a couple of months, but I, you guys had all day in one of those sixteen ropings to mm -hmm. to win the roping. Yeah, like it was it was weird because at Austin's, at Austin's, yeah, at Robertson Hill, yeah, because yeah. the roping had been pretty fast, and the times are decently fast over there. Like it's pretty mid six to seven second run mm -hmm. is seems like what was kind of getting made. Yeah. And I feel like you guys were were you a high teamer over there, right? Yeah, and you had to be like. We had to be 11-9. 11-9. Nine. 
11 night. Mm-hmm. So you just got to keep him in the arena. Yeah. And that's what you do. Yeah. And, and you, you know, you definitely didn't turn fast. Just no. fo- followed him, almost circled him kind of back. Yeah, like back not, not, not a full circle, but you know what I mean? Like yeah. you set it up to where it was, the money did not get away. Yeah. And you have that advantage now knowing what your horses do each time. So if you do have to go catch, you've yeah. got it. And, and I think it's just, it's all in perspective, but I, that's what's so crazy about team roping, right? Mm-hmm. You can only ride one horse. Yeah. You can, you know, when you're competing, you can only ride one horse at a time. Yeah. One saddle, one rope. Like I don't, I don't care. And I learned, I felt that when I was a kid, or when when I was younger at home, I say kid, I was 18. First year pro riding up there, I had three horses, and I was riding a different one each night. Felt like. Right. I don't know why I roped every day. Whatever felt, whatever I caught the best on the night before, I take him to the rodeo. Well, horse doesn't feel the same from the rodeo or from the practice pen to the rodeo. I then figured out I was riding, I rode the same horse for weeks at a time at the rodeo and got in the rhythm with them at the rodeo because they don't feel that they're not going to make the same exact moves and react the same exact way from the practice pen to the rodeo. So I then just would stick to one horse for weeks at a time. And if, if a week or a week and a half went by and I didn't win, well, I'm going to get on something else. But I wasn't changing night to night, day to day, because <clears throat> then I could never get in a rhythm. Yeah. Well, I think that's probably the one, that's probably one of the hardest things about healing, like being a rodeo healer, mm-hmm. right, is getting in a rhythm. Yeah. Because, well, that's where good headers are so important, right? If we have a... Uh, a header that can go real fast, but mm-hmm. it's not turning a high percentage of steers. Yeah. Well, those rolls when you don't see your header, and then all of a sudden the steer just ducks back to be four flat, mm-hmm. it's really hard to heal. Um, I, th- I mean, every healer will tell you they should have got them. I, yeah. I think. Oh, absolutely. But, I mean, we're supposed to catch everyone. Yeah, That's supposed, our job. Supposed to get them by two feet. Uh, it's, but it's tough to not see it again or you know not mm-hmm. know where to ride to and absolutely and, and that's where the chemistry with your horse everything is so yep. so valuable and and knowing where where to place yourself and mm-hmm. and i think that's where like well i watched i was heading some serious for travis graves the other day and i asked him about healing for dustin he's like you just gotta not panic mm-hmm. and, oh absolutely and, and there's so many of those things where as you build it up, if you've got good chemistry with your horse and yeah. then something happens odd with the steer, your header turns in really, really fast or, you know, the steer's running and he's a lot of rope, you kind of know where to be and give yourself a chance, yeah. right? I just, I you figure out the holes and the weaknesses that your horses have. And like, like me, oh, there's some weaknesses that you can't, I mean, he's 15 years old and he kind of is what he is. Kind of like when, and buildings, when steer steps to left, he's weak. Like won't won't get up and around them, and I'm, there's nothing that I can do about it. I try, and then I'll I'll try to ride something else. I'll try to ride like my black or like if I know that situation's steer's gonna go left, in in a in a smaller arena, it's just not not good at it. I'll either ride my backup horse, or and if I don't have it, I just I mean you just you know what you're gonna have to do to even come close to getting by. But I know it as soon as it happens. I know right. the feeling as soon as the steer steps to the left. I know what my horse is going to feel like. Yeah. 
then you know like hey I might not be able to get there for that. No. And I'm going to get that next shot. Mm-hmm. And you, so you can kind of. And then you got to decipher, well, what depends on what the audio is. Yeah. I mean, depends on what, what's happening. Do I need to ride to a spot and get him when he goes by me and make sure I get the steer caught? Or do I get him in the whip? Just yeah. over the hip. Just make, make a miracle happen. You're yeah. either going to be the hero or zero. But that's what you got to, you know, you know it. He, he shows it to me fast. So I know what it's going to be like, and uh, you got to make that decision split second. Right. But I feel like if I didn't ride him, if I didn't ride him as much as I do, it's like if I let you jump on him and heal him on him in that situation, you wouldn't. Yeah. You wouldn't get the same cue or know what what it's gonna what he's gonna do like I do. I'll probably miss him at rope a leg anyways. I've like missed I'm, quite a few of them. <laughs> I'm, it it doesn't even matter if they're a layup for me, man. When it goes fast, I uh, I I'm not that strong at it. <laughs> What about the mental side of it, rodeoing all year long? What was the biggest thing you've, what was the biggest challenge mentally that you kind of found out, figured out this summer uh, rodeoing? Shoot. It's, there was a lot of things. Like what I figured out this summer was so the, you roped against 120 of the best guys in the world at every rodeo you went to. Normal rodeos that would get 30, 40, 50 teams were getting 90, 100, 120. Yeah. And you had to, that's when I kind of had to talk myself into, okay, you're supposed to be here. I'm meant to be here. I'm one of these guys. And, but when I left there, you know, and it wasn't as bad of rodeo to rodeo because you couldn't practice in between. So you still had to kind of keep your keep my confidence up. I wouldn't just drill myself from rodeo to rodeo on what I did wrong because you got to show up that next night without practicing in between and perform. So keeping keeping confident, keeping positive, no matter if things weren't going right, was probably what I had to learn. Or you might as well have just went home. Just, just staying kind of almost optimistic mm-hmm. the whole time. Yeah, and knowing that I had a chance, no matter if I had 35 steers left to run, because I literally, I, I had it down pretty yeah. much to the steer of how many steers I had left to run. Right. Like, I got 35 steers to make the NFR. I got 20 steers to make the NFR. Well, it's last week. It's our last week here. You got to start picking it up. Yeah. Well, it's my last one. Right. What about... A, a lot of teams that struggle sometimes, mm-hmm. or not even struggle, it's usually addressed when they struggle, but if they miss or something goes wrong, they try to change mm-hmm. right away. Yeah. Is, is that something that you seen people do, or did you yourself try to do that, or how did you try to... Uh, I did at first. At the first uh, couple weeks out there, I tried changing a lot. Right. And some was changed for the good. Like I wasn't getting a good start healing. I was behind. I was letting steer step to the right. So I changed that. But then I was also getting, I was afraid to miss. I had to get over that real fast. Yeah. Like I was, I wasn't playing my game. My game is right around the end, throw fast. Well, I was not getting all the way around them. But I was like, I could see the feet. And I'd go one or two more just trying to catch. Like at the the two headers, and it was screwing me because I couldn't 
I just wasn't in the right spot, and heck, I'm not used to throwing there. Right. And then I started getting a better go, getting a better start, just stick to my game plan. And you had to. Then the rodeos got so fast. There's only so many two-headers. Deadwood. Deadwood was the two-header that I three-jumped him and missed. Right. And then after that, I started kind of figuring figuring out that you're you got to stick to what you know because as soon as you start changing you just beat you're going to beat yourself down over something that you you haven't even practiced yeah and you're trying to change it in the middle of the middle of a rodeo yeah you're trying to change like muscle memory Mm -hmm. a lot of guys i think what happens is they'll get missing or there's like a certain shots presented themselves and Mm -hmm. or presenting itself and uh they will go to well, I need to swing my rope like this, and mm-hmm. I need to do that. And I think that's when you get in a lot of trouble. If you will focus on your horse, I think healing's a little bit different than heading because heading you don't get as much time to. But healing, mm-hmm. like, like I said, if you can focus on a few things riding, I think yeah. you can make adjustments that way so mm-hmm. that you can you can get shots that will present themselves. And I think that's a really good a good way to address it too mm-hmm. because you might. Well, you might have a header that wants them more left than right yeah. or, you know, so getting a haze as opposed to letting them steer, kind of find a pattern. Mm-hmm. You know, there's, there's a lot of ways to go about that, but it can, it, it seems like it can get you in trouble if you yeah. really go the too in depth with it. Right. Oh, you see it every day. People fight their heads, change, change ropes, change styles. I mean, change horses, change this, change that. Everybody, everybody wants to change. And I mean, Sounds like a good idea at the time, but when you're in the heat of the moment, you know, I know I've run thousands of steers and thrown in the same spot. I know what my shot feels like. There's no point in changing at right. that moment. You want to go home and change that? That's, that's up to you, but <clears throat> not, not in the heat of the heat of the summer. What about the mental game? Is that something you study a little bit or work on? Or I just started. Just started. Yeah. Ooh, I, I like I like this. So you're just getting into it. Mm-hmm. What's your What are you trying to address first of all with it? Uh, I want to be more solid. Salt like uh, consistency, like mentally, like kind mm-hmm. of go through the the same process. Yeah, I want to. I I feel like I'm having trouble. Uh, remembering like runs and stuff like everything is happening so fast like i feel like i'm not focused yeah get like a black spot in the yeah. run and yeah, i ride out of the arena and i don't know what just happened i i know what just happened but like i can't i'm not slowing not everything's slowed down enough for me to see it step by step and i think that's hindering my healing like my my shot selection sometimes because everything just happens so fast like i have a blackout moment yeah and I don't know. I, I, I have them all the time. Yeah. It's, especially like, well, healing, I have them yeah. constantly. And I can, like, that's the first thing I always try to address is like, okay, when you're in competition, what are you, you know, what are you thinking about? And how many runs did you like throw and not know why you mm-hmm. threw right there? Heading, it's a little bit different for me now at this point. So what are you doing to address it? Like, what do you study at books? Uh, ask, ask questions what's what's the well i mean i've listened to the listening to podcasts right. and stuff like that uh but like to rope the roping part of it i uh i started riding across the arena sooner like as a healer i got jackpots 
I'm going jackpots. Rodeos, yeah. I feel like I'm in a decent spot. But jackpots, I'm riding across sooner. I'm and I'm picturing two feet in my head. Like I, I'm weird. Like sometimes I'll be riding the box and a, a leg will pop in my mind. Like I'll be envisioning around and I'll rope leg and I'm like race, race, race. Yeah. And have to rethink, and just think of a run as slow as possible. Like when I'm trying to get focused, I think of a hill shot like this of the corner. The steer's open. Everything's slow hopping, and just think of a loop as big as you can imagine heel and steer yeah and that is but that slows me down slows my mindset down slows my thinking down and another thing that's helped is matt zanchanella told me to count when i back in the box like when i back every time i like one breathe two breathe and i and i could everything would slow down feel like i could see the gate open I could see the steer leave and everything would come together. I think that was the biggest thing was the gates feel like all of a sudden, bang, gates open, steer's gone, and I'm two strides behind. Yeah. I mean, there's there's so much to that right there because to me what it a lot of it feels like is well our mind we have a process oriented or mm-hmm. like outcome oriented. Yeah. And we want the results to be good, but a lot of those times where we, when we worry about results, it's when like legs are missing or mm-hmm. messing up, like failure, like is that's kind of our, our fear or whatever, whatever yeah. you want to call it. And so those will pop in. And so you gotta, you either gotta replace it or yeah. almost think of, I, I go to process. This is just what I've studied or believe in, but you go to process or mm-hmm. knowing how to, to do your job and focus on that or, breathe and be in the moment right because if you're just reacting then you're then you're good uh i i I read a book the other day that uh, you ought to check it out it's uh i think it's called finding superman but it talks about extreme athletes uh, Mm -hmm. a lot with like oh their life is on the line basically so they'd be like um base jumping and all kinds of stuff where there's these moments of extreme mm-hmm. danger and they find flow states in there and they kind of talk about that and and then duplicating that flow state and how things can actually slow down and we can react in flow state like you say when you see it and it feels like it's in slow motion right mm-hmm. i there's those days where it just feels easy yes and you're trying to duplicate that process mm-hmm. and a lot of athletes like it's getting in the zone and getting in things like that um uh flow state or whatever they want to call it but breathing or getting in the moment however mm-hmm. you can like trigger that that's it's a really it's an art form and i think it's i think what happens is so many guys do a job so much they realize how to do it without they don't realize they they do it without realizing it yeah and they can kind of like lock it in and while like i feel like i'm at this stage where i got to get better so you've got to practice at home, mm-hmm. be able to shut it off in competition and focus on that process. So there's like that real fine balance, right? Between yeah. being good enough, believing that your job, like you're good enough at it and then actually being in the moment to to do it. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, to get your mind to follow is, uh, it's an art, I yeah. think. That's, that's the, and that's what I've been, 
I'm just trying to take more time. I don't, I don't know why. I just, and I don't do it every time, and I need to, and, like, you gotta handle, some people can do it, and some people can't, <clears throat> but you gotta handle your business. Yeah. And that's getting to the open, getting up, getting up early, getting to the jackpot when it starts in the morning, you get there, give yourself enough time to where I'm not rushed, and I try to been running a burn steer, but... Like, when I do that, I feel like everything, like, I can take a deep breath. I can have time. And I'm not saying two hours early or anything like that. You get there enough time, get everything ready, handle your business. And so I can have the time to slow myself down. Not just throwing a saddle on, going up there, they're calling your name, you're right across, you're next guy up, and then you're like, by the time you breathe, gets banged. Yeah. And I've been trying to get myself out of that into where I can process. I can watch the steers, watch a few steers go, whatever, if I can, and then put all that together into my mental state and picture a run in my head of how it's how the day, how the run might come together. Yeah, I I love it. I mean, I I, I had a conversation the other day about guys that it's getting pretty predictable about mm -hmm. who you watch at the open ropens are going to be on their horse early mm -hmm. riding them around and ready to go pretty early mm -hmm. it's typically like a lot of guys ain't ready before joseph harrison and if, nope. i mean there's it seems like the guys that are on them early they usually have some real good horses mm -hmm. their horses are working good they yeah. are rope you know joseph looks great but there's a lot of guys like that, like Chad Masters, I think Paul does it. There's there's a bunch of guys when you get the open pods, you're like, man, it's an hour and fifteen minutes before the the first steer's gonna be run and they're mm -hmm. they're on a horse walking around the arena just kind of easing around. And I, I, there's a lot to that, I think, between your horse. Yeah. Being and I, that's what and, I learned, you know, and my horse I know how my gut feels when I'm behind, I'm trotting up there trying to get a few circles just so i can run one so i can be halfway prepared can't imagine how my horse feels i just pulled him off the trailer threw a saddle on his back trotted him up there and now i'm asking him for his life yeah that is when you think about it like that that is horrible to do really i agree and and i see like like when i was at the capitalist this year probably one of the biggest ropings i've ever been to Biggest rope in my life. Enter three times. Pick one, draw one. I've got Coleman, uh, Brenton Hall. Is it enter three times or is it enter twice? Might be pick one, draw one. My, it's pick one, draw one, but it's you can enter three times maybe. Maybe it's twice. I think it's twice, but they got that other rope and it's a thousand a man. That's right. The so ten, the ten header. You can get you get. There's a lot of there, yeah. There's two or three opens. Like there's so a the, pre-open, the, the, the big pick open. one, draw one. Yeah. And I got Coleman Proctor, Brenton Hall. Yeah. Great. Um, I get up there. I'm early. Corey Petzka. Ain't no one else around. Corey Petzka's up there. Yeah. And then, but then it's like, okay, they're my heroes. Corey Petzka, hero. And I get to sit in the heel box waiting to run a burn steer, and I get to have a conversation with Corey Petzka. Right. Like those, if I showed up late, I don't ever, don't get to do that. Don't get to have that opportunity to talk and, you know, 
I mean, I don't even know what we talked about, but get to be around him, you know, get the vibe off him, get to run a burn steer. And I'm, when I run my first one, that steer didn't matter where he was in the arena. I knew I could heal him. Yeah. Yeah, just being prepared and, and seeing guys like that. But, I mean, that kind of makes me think, what about coming to Stephenville? You know, there's mm-hmm. obviously a ton of professional guys. Is there – who do you ask? Who do you who do you start picking their brains first when you get out here? Is that something uh, you do or – Well, I don't know. I was standoffish. I mean, I didn't want to be that guy. Just kind of shy, right? Yeah, I was shy. And, but I got to hang out with some guys and, you know, I, I, now I'm not afraid to ask. I know not to ask again if, like, someone doesn't really give me an answer. Yeah. I mean, you just figure out who you can talk to, like, uh, like Hunter Cook, Peyton Bray. I ask them a question, and get an answer. Yeah. I mean, look at videos, talk about it, and then that, start figuring that out and can't be afraid to ask. And, uh, I mean, they're out. You might as well utilize it if they're willing to. They've been there. They've done that. They've. Uh, you you got to take the opportunities when they're there. Right. Because they've, at some point, have went through the same trials and tribulations as you. So. Yeah, I mean, both of them have went through it within the last couple of years. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? They both went from guys that... I think, and they, they help more because, I, I don't know if they help more, but... 22 i'm there we're all 22 yeah and they're here i feel like and i'm here but at some point they were at the spot i am and they've went through the same things as me so and they i feel like i get more out of asking them than i would other people because at at some point we have the same mindset yeah at the same amount at the same uh spot in our time time really right that's funny to hear because I think, is that hard to to think about or is there a certain amount of humility you try to have when you like, because I, I want to believe that I grew up as good as, mm-hmm. especially like at 22 years old, yeah. I believed I roped as good as any 22 year old out there. So I would mm-hmm. have a hard time asking someone like that for advice, which is a big mistake, yeah. I, mean, I think for me to make, but is that hard on your ego or do you try to look at it like how, how do you try to have enough humility to to like take things in from you know guys that are your your peers but at yeah. the same time you're you're, you're the same age so yeah. it's like it's it's kind of odd you know well i mean i hate to look at it like this cuz they're my friends yeah like cuz i mean we've ha- we've hung out we're good friends but they're tens yeah they they made the finals doesn't matter it doesn't matter how old they are. They're right. at a different spot than I am. They're above me. And I want to be that. I want to be at their spot someday. Yeah. So I don't I don't look at it as being embarrassed. I mean, some questions I have get a little embarrassed about it, but they don't they don't ever make make me feel like I should be embarrassed for asking that cuz some things are simple, but I feel like I can get through things quicker when I ask them because we've kind of went through it at the same time of our lives, even though they're, I feel like they're ahead of me. Right. Well, and those two guys are, I mean, they're pretty much ahead of everyone else. Yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. I mean, they're top. It doesn't matter how old they are. They're, they're one of the best healers in the world. Yeah. Those guys are unreal. And well, and I think too, it's a, 
healthy way to be as you keep hitting different tiers of your roping, right? Because even the best guys in the world are going to want to improve and work at it like Mm -hmm. those two are. I mean, uh, Peyton and Hunter work at it all the time. All day, every day. And so that's like that growth mindset, right? Of Mm -hmm. trying to address what you're weak weak at and want to get better at and and be able to constantly get good information, Mm -hmm. right? And, and the right information because I think that's one thing about roping is we're kind of self-taught really like yeah. you you have to have this amount of self-awareness right yeah because what you do might work really good for you and it might not work for the next person mm-hmm. or the same way for like something paid might do or hunter might do might yeah. really work good from them but it might not work for you but it might work for the next guy and yeah. so there's like all these variables in how we ride our horses, how our horses work, mm-hmm. how our swing works, you know, and, and even the, the timing of how you see, you know, shots. And mm-hmm. so there's all these variables. So you got to have this amount of self-awareness, right? Yeah. And then you've got to be able to go like, okay, this is what they're telling me. This is what I need to add and then go yeah. work at it. Right. I mean, you can't just, you can't just go home and watch video. I can't just go home and watch videos and them and shake out a humongous loop like Peyton's got and, and swing as hard as Hunter does, right? Uh, and then, then put it all to me. I, I'm just not gonna. That's just not my style. It's not gonna work. But like the way Peyton keeps his shoulders to the steer, in the way Hunter gets to the front of the saddle, like those are the little things that I could put into my style yep. to make me better. It's not. It's not how they swing. It's not how big of a loop they use. It's just the little, the body posture, and uh, and you got to change that into your style, not the uh, the more broad things. It's the little fine tuner things to me. Yeah, absolutely. I I was thinking about this with Clay Smith the other days. I I've been watching him rope probably the most out of everyone. I was like, what does he do that I think so so unique compared to everyone else? And his swing, where he gets his swing up pretty fast like mm-hmm. those horses are leaving and then it's ready to throw immediately but it's still a swing that they can them head horses can keep moving forward so mm-hmm. i'm like i'm like okay where's his shoulders where's his hand like where like where is everything going up to so he can kind of pick those spots and then i'm like then i try to address okay this is what makes sense this is where i can start applying that it's not we yeah we easily get lost and like oh well he uses this bit and his loop is the size that that will help some people at certain levels yes but once you kind of hit your style and your spot i think you gotta you kind of gotta own what you need to own Mm -hmm. and then you need to tweak on the things that like really make sense like well payton for example with the shoulders like they are it makes it really easy for him to get into his delivery yeah and he heals phenomenal and just comes right out Mm -hmm. of it into his delivery so he can like quick hopping steers yeah and that's a we talked to or i talked to him about it at odessa we were during the slack and we were watching the my runs from super tuesday the jackpot the day before and i wrote i run a steer with grady Quam off to the right i heal the steer my tip doesn't come through very much i get a leg well we muck it out of the next four and end up placing i showed him the videos and as soon as he watches the first year, he tells me about my, 
from my shoulders or whatever. Right. Well, then I watched the next four videos and I did it. Yeah. But it was the realization of that's okay. That's a key thing to focus on. If I can think about that, everything else is going to set up and, and come together. That was, that was the key part that I was missing to keep put everything to start a new beginning of everything coming together. Yeah. Now, do you take, like, let's say we do that. Um, we'll take that shoulder position. Mm-hmm. Is that something you just take and work on on the dummy and on, like, how do you try to make that to where you don't have to think about it again? Uh, repetition every time. Well, that's the mental thing. And now we're going back to the mental thing. That's right. where I feel like I'm struggling. I go to a practice pen. I can rope all. I could. I love rope, and I could rope all day long. Yeah. And just rope and catch and. But now I'm getting to the point where I feel like my mental my mental game's not there enough to where I'm focusing on something I need to work on, like that, like the shoulders thing. Yeah. Like I'm doing it. I'm not doing it every time though, and I need to be doing it every time. Yeah. And that's where I've been trying to work on focusing more when I'm practicing at the rodeos. and Yeah, to... focus on it each practice run. Mm-hmm. each. If you, if you do have the, the dummy at all, mm-hmm. yeah, each loop on the dummy until you don't have to think about it. And yep. it's like if you're not thinking about it, you're just going to naturally do it, right? Yep. But that's it's a lot of reps. Oh, absolutely. Um, I mean, And then that's our... I only have two horses. <laughs> I can only run so many, which going back to it, it's probably good because I can run average 20 steers a day. Yeah. Okay. I only got to focus on 20 steers a day. Surely I can do that. Yeah. But I catch myself not. So that's what I've been yeah. trying to put to, put to use. It's a really good, um, a good way to self-evaluate too is knowing, okay, this is what I want to work on. Mm-hmm. How many times can I focus on that? Mm-hmm. And I also think that if that's what you're focusing on, like for me, that's what I would try to take to the competition, right? Yeah. And so when those gates open, how many times in a row did I do it in practice? How many times in a row did I do it in competition? Mm-hmm. Did I create a winning performance that day? Like, yep. did I heal good enough? Was, you know, was everything right where it needed to be? And that's, uh, and I think that's it. That's the, uh, the art form of yeah. improving, scaling your roping up quickly, yeah. I think. Man, um, it's been an hour and a half. I think this is this has been a really fun podcast for me because it's like I, I loved how you went about your roping, watching it the whole time. I know last year was it was awesome, it mm-hmm. was terrible, it was everything in between, right? Yeah. You know? But very rarely do you see a guy have the low and then just right with it, you mm-hmm. know. Um, and, and that's what I think is so cool about it. And, you know, that's why what I was wanting to talk about it today is, you yep. know, that, that that kind of that mentality you have. And, you know, you're, you're here trying it on. And I think that's pretty cool. I appreciate it. Thanks again, man. Yes, sir.